Shot Five of The Right Way to Do Wrong, an Exposé of Successful Criminals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Right Way to Do Wrong, an Exposé of Successful Criminals by Harry Houdini. Shot Five. Thieves and Their Tricks A thief is one who appropriates any kind of property or money to his own use without the consent of the owner. As distinguished from a burglar, a thief does not break into a house or enter in the night time, but takes his plunder wherever he can find it. A thief may gain entrance to a house and steal a valuable diamond, but he uses his sharp wits to pass the door instead of the burglar's jimmy and skeleton keys. There are thieves of various kinds, from the common sneak thief and shoplifter, to the expert pickpocket and clever swindler, who sometimes makes hauls amounting to many thousands of dollars. The use of the word thief, however, is generally confined to such classes of criminals as shoplifters, pickpockets, and the like. Overcoat thieves ply their trade in the residential sections of the city. They will sometimes ring the front doorbell and ask for the master or mistress of the house, giving some plausible pretext and usually the name of the party living there. While the servant has gone to tell the mistress of the caller, he quietly picks up what garments are in sight on the hat rack and makes off with them. The Venetian blind thief got his name from the practice of the English thieves of making the pretext that they had come to repair the blinds of the house. A thief will call at the door claiming to be a mechanic to look over the house for necessary repairs and in his rounds will gather up any valuable article that he can lay his hands on. This class of rascal even impersonates the plumber or the gas inspector with equally successful results. Thieves at church are a very common occurrence. A case is related in London not long ago, where a chapel had been furnished with one hundred new Bibles. They were first used at the afternoon service, and when the congregation gathered for evening, they had all disappeared. A very common experience of church officers is to find that books disappear gradually. Not only books, but hassocks and cushions are taken from houses of worship. Petty robberies from the collection box are not infrequent. In some localities, the custom of covering one's offering with one's hand so that other worshippers shall not see the amount given gives the thief his opportunity, for in the rapid passing of the plate it is easy for the skillful professional thief to put in a penny and at the same moment take out a dollar. This is sometimes done by a sticky substance put upon a single finger. Umbrella thieves and pickpockets also ply their trade in church as well as in other places of public gathering. How can you detect a church thief is a question I have often asked detectives. There seems to be no real answer. But, as a general rule, it is just as well to look out for your property as carefully when you are in church as when you are out. Thieves as Wedding Guests there is scarcely a fashionable wedding where the contracting parties are wealthy that does not suffer from the presence of wedding thieves. For this reason, the more expensive items of jewelry are often imitated in paste before they are put on exhibition among the gifts, while the originals are sent to the bank. The wedding gift lifter works his game as follows. Disguised as a tradesman or assistant, he gains the confidence of the servants, gets a description of a diamond tiara or other article of great value, which he then has a duplicate made of, set with imitation paste diamonds. He will even go as far as to pay $15 or $100 for a good imitation article. Armed with this, and perfectly dressed, 
he makes his way among the party of guests and finds it no great risk to adroitly change the counterfeit for the genuine jewel. Trick of the Van Thief Vans, that are covered entirely with tarpaulin or canvas, and have a loose back, present opportunities to the van thief. A favorite trick is for the thief to wheel a handcart, covered with sacking, under which a confederate lies concealed, behind one of these vans. The confederate quickly puts the upper part of his body inside the van, his feet remaining in the cart. Being concealed from view by the loose tarpaulin, he seizes a package, dropping back with it into the cart, which is pushed off at once. A wet day is preferred for this trick, as then not so many people are about, and the driver is likely to be holding his head down as a protection from the rain, in consequence of which he will not look behind. THE TRICK SATCHEL THIEVES It is when the dark days come round that the railway station thief most safely conducts his operations. The summer tourist he loves not, for his luggage contains few valuables, and there is then too much light about. A dull afternoon and well-to-do people going off by train are what the platform prowler asks for, and here is shown as a warning, if needs be, an artful appliance that station thieves have used of late years. It looks like an ordinary portmanteau, and so it is with a difference. It is a specially made portmanteau, the bottom of which closes up on pressure being applied. Thus, when as shown in the illustration, the trick portmanteau is placed over a smaller one that lies upon the platform, the larger one comes down as a cover over it. By a movement of the thumb of the hand that holds the portmanteau handle, powerful springs are released which tightly grasp the portmanteau that is inside, and it can thus be carried away completely enveloped from sight. If, therefore, you see a suspicious-looking character hanging about, don't set him down as a genuine passenger just because he has a bag. Diamond in a Chew of Gum one of the cleverest and most unscrupulous diamond thieves I ever heard of perfected a scheme for daylight robbery of unmounted gems, which for a time simply defied detectives of London and Paris. The game was played as follows. A lady, well-dressed and looking like a respectable and wealthy matron, who might be the wife of a banker or large merchant, enters a jewelry store and asks to see some unmounted diamonds. The clerk shows her the stones, and while she is looking at them, a second lady, equally respectable in appearance, enters and approaches the same counter. She seems to be interested in diamonds. Suddenly one of the most valuable gems is missing. The proprietor is summoned, the detectives rush in, and an officer is called. The women, who both declare their innocence, are carefully searched, but the diamond has absolutely disappeared. Eventually both the women are released, but the diamond is never recovered. The way the trick was played is this. One of the women both of whom are members of the gang, deftly conceals the diamond in a piece of chewing gum and sticks it on the underside of the front edge of the counter. There it remains safely hidden away while the frantic search is going on. A third member of the gang slips in afterward with the crowd of curious and removes the gum containing the diamond and makes off with it. Said the fond mother, Never would I call a boy of mine alias if I had a hundred to name. Men by that name is all as cuttin' up capers. Here's alias Thompson, alias Williams, alias the Nighthawk, all been took up for stealing. Teacher, how many of my scholars can remember the longest sentence they ever read? Billy, please, Mum, I can. Teacher, what? Is there only one? Well, William, you may tell the rest of the scholars the longest sentence you ever read. Billy. IMPRISONMENT FOR LIFE. 
End of Shot 5 Recording by Leanne Howlett